0: Our theme for this year is the time is now. Can you look over at your neighbor and just be the preacher for a moment? Tell them the time is now. Tell them there's no time to waste. The time is now. And I believe that this this truly is a theme from the Lord. Amen. I was so encouraged on Thursday night when uh, Pastor Sunday Jr. ministered and he just talked about pastors who go through trials and pastors who go through struggles and how the devil wants to make you feel like you can't do it. But how many know the devil is a liar? And how many know God is faithful? Amen. So I, I'm, I'm pumped up to preach this morning. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Luke chapter 5. I also want to welcome all of our first-time visitors, those of you who are here for the first time visiting or you're here checking out the church. Welcome. And also those of you that are here and you haven't been to church in a long time, and somehow things have happened in your life, and you know you've been on a little bit of a bunny trail. Well, we want to welcome you back, amen. Welcome you back. Luke chapter five. I believe God's going to speak to everybody today. Let's just look at verse four. And it reads this way: It says, "When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon." Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. That's powerful. We've toiled all night, and caught nothing. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners, somebody say Partners. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And then they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. But down here in verse 9, it says here, he says, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. This morning, I want to talk to you and speak to you on the subject of the harvest is here. The harvest is here. Shake your neighbor's head. Tell them, God, I sat next to you. And you may be seated this morning. The harvest is here. Let me say it this way. The harvest is here and the time is now. I want to open this morning's message by reading you a Story. Stay with me for a moment. It says, once upon a time in the heart of Japan lay a beautiful garden. There in the cool of the day, the master of the garden went on a walk. And of all the denizens of the garden, the most beautiful and most beloved was the gracious and noble bamboo. Year after year, the bamboo grew, yet more noble and gracious, conscious of his master's love and watchful delight, but modest and gentle. And often when the wind came to revel in the garden, the bamboo would cast aside his grave stateliness to dance and play merrily, tossing and swaying and leaping and bowing in joyous abandon, leading the great dance of the garden, which delighted the master's heart. Kind of sounds like church, doesn't it? Now, once upon a day, the master himself drew near to contemplate his bamboo with eyes of curious expectancy. And the bamboo, in a passion of adoration, bowed his great head to the ground in loving greeting. And the master spoke, and he said, Bamboo, bamboo, I would use you. Bamboo flung his head to the sky in utter delight. The day of days had come, the day for which he had been made, the day to which he had been growing, hour by hour the day in which he would find his completion and his destiny. His voice came low and he said, Master, I'm ready. Use me as thou wilt. Bamboo, the master's voice was grave. He said, I would have to take you and cut you down. A trembling of great horror shook the bamboo. He said, Cut me down? Master, has made me the most beautiful in all the garden and cut me down. Oh, not that, not that. He said, use me for thy joy. Use me for the glory. Oh, master, but don't cut me down. Beloved bamboo, the master's voice grew graver still. He said, if I cut you not down, I cannot use you. The garden grew still. Wind held its breath. Bamboo slowly bent his proud and glorious head, and there was a whisper. Master, if thou cannot use me other than to cut me down, then do thy will and cut. Bamboo, beloved bamboo, I would also have to cut your leaves and branches from you also. Master, spare me, cut me down, and lay my beauty in the dust, but would thou also have to take from me my leaves and my branches also? Bamboo, the master said. If I cut them not away, I cannot use you. The sun hit its face. A listening butterfly glided fearfully away, and the bamboo shivered in terrible expectancy, whispering low, Master, cut away. Bamboo, bamboo, I would yet have to split you in two and cut out your heart. And if I do not so, I cannot use you. Then the bamboo bowed to the ground, master, master, then cut and split. So the master of the garden took the bamboo and cut him down and took off his branches and stripped off his leaves and split him in two and took out his heart. And he lifted him gently, carried him to where there was a spring of fresh sparkling water in the midst of his dry fields. Then he put one end of the broken bamboo in the spring and the other end in the water channel in his field. And the master laid down gently his beloved bamboo. And the spring sang welcome and the clear sparkling waters race joyfully down the channel of the bamboo's torn body into the waiting fields. And then the rice was planted, and the days went by, and the shoots grew, and the harvest of rice came. In that day, the bamboo, once so glorious in its stately beauty, was yet more glorious in his brokenness and humility. For in his beauty, he was life abundant. But in his brokenness, he became a channel of abundant life for his master's field. Are there any bamboo here this morning? As we launch into 2016, I share with you this story because I believe that God is going to send us the harvest. But in order for the harvest to come and in order for the harvest to grow and for the harvest to become mature, there's a tremendous need for those who are willing to be broken again. There's a tremendous need for those of you who stand so glorious in the house of the Lord to allow the master of the field and the master of the harvest to come and to work with you in a way where you become even more useful for the master's purpose. And just like in this story, there is a tremendous need for bamboo, for those who are willing to let the master shape you and mold you so that the harvest can come in. See, there are three things I wanna teach you this morning in this short message about the harvest. Number one is that the harvest is his. Write that down. The harvest is his. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. And what we need to understand this morning as we go into 2016 is that God wants to bring in the harvest. God wants to bring in those who have need within their life. God wants to begin to raise up leaders in our midst. And what I want to share with you this morning is that the harvest is His. And Father God right now is in heaven and He's looking down on us and He's preparing the harvest. He's getting the harvest ready. And why is He preparing the harvest? It's because He cares for the harvest. He cares about the harvest And he wants people like you and I, watch this, to go to him for the harvest. To recognize that the harvest does not come in on its own. But we as God's people, we as the harvesters must go to the Lord of the harvest and request, watch this, for the harvest to come here. Have you been praying it in? I'll ask this side. Have you been praying it in? Have you been asking God to do great things within your life? Have you been praying for your unsafe family members? Have you been praying for your marriage? Have you been praying for God to do some things within your life? If you have been praying it in, you have been praying according to your heartbeat. And here's what I taught you a few weeks ago is that you will have the harvest that you pray for. You will have the harvest. Watch this. You will have the harvest that is in your heart. What is in your heart? What is happening in your heart? Because whatever is in your heart is what's going to lead you to prayer this year. Whatever is in your heart is what's going to get you down on your knees before God. And it's going to cause you to pray. And as when you begin to pray according to your heart, that's what God is going to hear. And that's the harvest we are going to receive. But I want to tell you something. If there's nothing in your heart, then you'll have no harvest. See, when we pray for the harvest... We must not only pray according to our heart, but I want you to hear this. We must pray according to the heart of God. Why? Because the harvest belongs to him. We've got to pray according to the heart of God. And here's what I have found, is that when you spend time in prayer and you begin to pray according to the heart of God, you will find that God's heart is always for people. A lot of times we pray for money. A lot of times we pray for our personal breakthrough. A lot of times we pray that God would do personal miracles within our life. And yes, God can give you those types of harvest, but never get away from the fact that what's in the father's heart is people. You are here this morning. You can go ahead and give God praise. Come on, if you're going to clap, give him praise. God loves people. And let me say this to you this morning, Victor Outreach Church, you are here because you were in the Father's heart. You are sitting here this morning and because God birthed you in his heart and you were in the Father's heart. But it took for somebody to get down on their knees and to pray you from the streets into the seats. It took your parents' prayer, it took your grandparents' prayer, it took your leader's prayer. It took what somebody that had the heart of God and recognized that God loves people so much that He will prompt us to pray them in. You are here because somebody prayed you in. And how many know it's because God loves people. You see, just like you're cautious about your children, God is cautious about his children as well. If you were going to leave town and leave your children with a babysitter, you're not going to leave them with someone that you don't trust. It's the same thing when it comes to the harvest. We must ask ourselves, God, can you trust us with your unsafe children? Can you trust us, Father God, with those that are hurting? You see in Matthew nine thirty-six, it says Jesus was Moved with compassion. He saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep. Having no shepherd, he cares about people. And when it comes to people, I've learned that God will always channel them to where they're going to be loved. God will always channel them to where they will be cared for and strengthened. God will always channel people to where he knows that they'll be taken good care of. Am I preaching okay this morning? You see, when people walk through the doors of Victory Outreach San Diego, we've got to see them as if God sent them. Google didn't send them. TV didn't send them. Facebook didn't send them. Yes, I think those things are important, but we need to understand that it was God who sent them here. And if God brings them through their doors, how many know we're the ones that have got to reach them? We're the ones that have got to take care of them. Come on, somebody. We're the ones that have got to love them back to life. We've got to look at people as if God sent them. We've got to ask ourselves this morning, what do these people need? I think one of the things they're going to need is they're going to need vision and encouragement. The Bible says that, Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. The Bible goes on to say that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And I think that what we need to give people when they come and God sends them through these doors is we've got to envision them again. We've got to let them know that God has a purpose and a plan for their life. We've got to let them know that God is not done with them. If they're still breathing and they're still living, that God still has a plan for them and God can do great things through them. I believe that when people walk through the doors of Victor Outreach San Diego, they need to be inspired for greater works. Jesus said to his disciples, greater things that you will do. Look at someone and say, you're going to do greater things. And we need to let people know that when, when they walk through the doors of Victory Outreach, they don't come here just to warm a pew, just to look good on Sunday. But there's some great works that God wants to manifest through their life. Come on and agree with me this morning. There's some great things that God wants to. Ma- We've got to envision people. We've got to pump them up. We've got to speak life into them. We want to inspire them to understand that there are great things ahead within their life and that the best is still yet to come. See, I've learned this, that people often go farther than they thought they could because someone else thought they could. Should I say it again? You should tweet this. You should put this on Instagram. People often go farther than they thought they could because someone else thought they could. It took for someone to come into their life and let them know that God's not done with you. It took for someone to to get out of their comfort zone and get into their life and begin to blow some wind underneath their wings. See, my job is not to stand behind this platform and put you down every week. My job is not to stand up here and to use the word of God to get you to see where you've gone wrong in your life. Yes, there'll be times when you'll see that, but my job as a pastor and my job as a preacher and my job as a leader is to blow wind underneath your wings. Some of you need to understand that you're not called to be a duck. You're called to be an eagle, and God has called you to rise up on eagle's wings, and all I'm doing every Sunday is blowing, baby, blowing the Holy Ghost under you, letting you know that this is your year, letting you know that. You're going to take it to another level, letting you know that you can do it, letting you know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, letting you know that you're the head and not the tail above and not beneath. I just came to church to blow under your wing. That's the type of leaders we need at Victory Outreach, not leaders that are always putting themselves down and putting others down with them. We need leaders that are going to blow under somebody's wings today. That are going to bring life. Somebody say, bring life. And I came to tell you, I believe this is your year for you to rise up. I'll say it again. This is your year to rise up. This is your year to defy the odds. This is your year to come out of that stuff that you've been battling. This is your year to come up a little bit higher. this is, If you're sitting in the back row or in the middle or you're just kind of coming in today, I came to let you know you're here for a reason. God says you're going to another level. He's going to take you higher than you've ever been before. Just open up your wings and let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do. Woo! Someone say now's the time. They also need not only vision and encouragement, but here's what I also believe is they need discipleship and coaching. Are you hearing me today? It's not enough just to give vision. But when God sends us people, we need to walk them through the process. There were three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, but how many know they weren't there alone? How many know Jesus came down and walked with them? And we need some leaders this year. They're not just going to envision somebody and walk away. But you're going to walk with them. You're going to walk with them through their growing process. You're going to walk with them through their growing season. You're going to walk with them through what God wants to do within their life. Understand me, when I tell you to get to the place God wants you to be, we've got to be coached. Sometimes we don't need a little bit of coaching. Sometimes we need a lot of coaching. Come on, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. See, I, I, I know that, I know, the, I know the church I pastor. I know the people I pastor. I know I've got a young church, a good-looking church. You got a lot of swag. But man, you need a lot of coaching. Because God didn't call you to this church just to show you how, show you how to dress. He didn't send you this church just to show you how to talk and to get blessed financially. He's got a plan for you. And even though I know you feel like the man, you're not the man yet. Or you feel like the woman, you're not the woman yet. There's still some coaching that needs to be. Come on, somebody, help me preach this thing this morning. You're the player. I'm the coach we need to coach this generation we need to disciple this generation and it takes a lot of coaching and understand it takes a lot of patience because when you're pastoring a young good-looking church with a lot of swag they make a lot of mistakes. He's go quiet up in here. He's up in my Kool-Aid now. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know you like him. I know you like her. I know what you're trying to do. I see it. I can see I see you. I see you. I see what you're trying to do. I know you got plans. I've walked that road. The road you're walking, I've walked it time and again. I've been down the road you've been. We have pastors and leaders in this church that have walked the road that you're trying to walk right now. And we've climbed the mountains that you're trying to climb right now. And we've stood on the hills that you're trying to climb right now. Wouldn't it be wise to get under a leader and say, coach me and help me not to make the same mistakes that you once made within Wouldn't it be wise to come under some of these men and women in the front row and say, this is my year, but I need you to coach me. I need you to show me. I need you to teach me. Don't just pray for me. Speak it into my life. Don't just pray for me. Tell me to my face. Is pastor preaching all right this morning. We need coaching. We need to be discipled. We need to be trained. Because young adults make mistakes and they make bad decisions. Who's 40 in this place? Wave at me. You're 40. Where's my team 40? Oh man, we don't got that many people who are 40. Where's team 40 at? Team 40, not 40 ounce, team 40. Oh, you're 40? All right. Talk to, talk to those who are 40. And they'll tell you that when you hit 40, at 40, you start to reap in your life decisions you made in your 20s and 30s. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Talk to team 40. And they'll tell you that when you hit 40, if you made bad decisions in your 20s and your 30s, you're going to struggle in your 40s. And all I'm saying to some of our 20 year olds and some of our 30 year olds, as this is the year where you're going to learn to make the right decisions for your life, you're going to be disciples so that when you get to 40, you can enter into a season of blessing. I'm going to just pull back because I want to just preach on on this point. But tell your neighbor, it's time to get coached. Because this is your year to get better. This is your year to grow. And I want to say something to you, to my young adults this morning. If you make a mistake, don't feel, feel bad, but don't feel too bad because I already knew you were going to make a mistake. But don't backslide. And don't leave the church. And don't say, oh, man, I messed up. No, 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 no. You, you messed up. I know you messed up, but I knew you were going to mess up anyways because you're you. are you are you. Come on, somebody just stay in the potter's house stay on the potter's wheel and let God I'm preaching better than you're shouting in this place stay in the house you don't disown your children when they spill milk tell your neighbor stay in the house and that's what The third thing we need is we need, they need care and concern. If we're going to reap the harvest this year, they not only need vision and encouragement, discipleship and coaching, but they need care and they need concern. Did you know that Pastor Al owns, without exaggeration, did you know that Pastor Al owns 14 iPhones? I own 14 iPhones, people. The other day I found a box for a 3G and it had a charger in there, so I snatched that charger quick. I own a lot of phones. You know why I own so many iPhones? Because when I was young and dumb, when one of the phones broke, I just went out and bought a new one. Come on, somebody. And lately, my kids are becoming teenagers and they're trying to trick me <laughs> every time their screen cracks, that I got to go out there and get them an upgrade. That's a lie from the pits of hell, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I told them, you crack your phone, you, you got a crack phone, that's all you got. All you got is a crack phone, that's all you got. But I figured something out, that when my phone breaks, I don't got to go get the upgrade. I found a little shop by my house that they know how to fix the screen. See, there was a generation in the church, there's a few of them here today, that when they were growing up, they knew how to fix stuff. Come on, somebody. When their Star Wars action figures arm fell off, They didn't throw away Luke Skywalker. They went out and just put the arm back on, right, Chris? You might have lost the lightsaber, but you were like still playing with it. Come on, somebody. When their car broke, they didn't get rid of it. They knew how to go to the auto parts store. And they looked through that little manual and said, I need me a carburetor. Come on, somebody. That's why your grandpa and them, they all had a bunch of cars in their front yard, right? Because they knew how to fix stuff. When the TV broke, they didn't go buy a whole brand new TV like some of you guys, ah, TV broke, gotta go buy a new one. No, 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 Take that thing to the repair shop. And if they were even more handy, they opened up the back of that TV and they began to, come on, somebody. But this generation, They don't know how to fix nothing. Yeah, I'm talking to some of you 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and maybe even some of you 40-year-olds. You don't know how to fix nothing. When something breaks, you throw it away. That's why you're over at Best Buy every other week and all these other places online trying to get get new things. And then you wonder why you can't give to the Lord. You're always broke. I'm trying to help somebody. But sometimes we do that with people. And the people say, the church has become cold. Church is cold. The church becomes cold because instead of fixing people, we throw them away and go get new people. Here ever thought, that some of the empty chairs in the church aren't people that aren't that this is not their church. It's just that they need fixing. But sometimes we look out at the empty chairs and we say, we better do another crusade. Let's just throw away all those people. No, not this year. Mm-mm-mm, not this year. I'm not. Just like I told my kids, I'm not going to fix their cracked screen. I'm not going to fill your empty seats. You know what you're going to do? You're going to go find someone that's broken and you're going to help God fix them. You're going to get out of the Starbucks and get out of the Denny's and get out of that taco truck and you're going to go seek out somebody that's already saved but they're having a tough season and you're going to bring them back to church and you're going to train them in the things of God and you're going to build them up like never before. We're going to see that harvest come in. Come on and clap if you feel this is from God this morning. So the first thing is that the harvest is his. The second thing we need to understand, and this is where it may get a little bit tough, is that the harvest is heavy. Tell your neighbor, it's heavy. The Bible says in Luke that when Jesus told Peter to throw out the nets again. He said, launch out into deep, cast the nets. The Bible says that there was such a catch. Come on, somebody. It was heavy. It was heavy. He couldn't pull that catch in by himself. God wanted to give him such a big harvest that he wasn't able to do it all alone. And what I want to say to you this morning is, how many of you are Tired of just talking about receiving the harvest and not actually receiving it. How many are tired of coming to church every week and getting pumped up that God wants to give you good things and they never come in? Well, this morning, I want to give you three keys to receiving the harvest. Number one, according to Luke five ten in the scripture that we read, we find that in order to receive a catch and in order to receive the harvest, number one, we need to be obedient to God's voice. Tell your neighbor, be obedient this year. Tell your neighbor, your ways don't work. Ooh, it's good preaching, this is good gospel preaching right here. Somebody say, "Amen." Your ways don't work. What did Peter say? He said, "We toiled all night and caught nothing." There's people in this room right now, you toiled all of 2015 and caught nothing. All of 2014 and got a guppy. Just like I did the other day in Puerto Vallarta, Chris pulled in two big old fat tuna, went fishing. Two big old fat tuna and I gotta fish this big. I was all excited. That's because I'm not called to catch fish. I'm called to catch people. But tell hey, neighbor, your ways don't work. Peter said, we fished all night. We toiled all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. And then Peter said to him, he says, nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. Because you said it, God. Because you're telling me to do it. Because you're giving me the direction. Because you said it. Because it's in your word. Because the pastor's preaching the word to me every week. Because my Bible study leader is preaching the word to me every week. Because in the home, they're giving me the word every morning. I don't know if it's going to work, but because you said it, Father God, I will do it because you said it. The <laughs> Bible says he did what he said, and the harvest came in. Before you can have your harvest, San Diego, you need to have your obedience. Before that harvest could come in, you've got to learn to walk closely to what God is asking you to do. The second thing is we not only need obedience to God's voice, but we need to be strong spiritually. We need to be strong spiritually because the harvest is heavy. Understand me when I tell you that the things you're asking God for are not easy things. You've got to be strong. You've got to be prepared. I talk to families and say, I'm praying for my kids to get saved. I'm praying. But, but, but what is your house in order? Is your marriage in order? How can you ask your kids to come to church every week when you're not even here every week? You can ask something from God, but understand whatever God gives you is going to be heavy. And you've got to make sure that if you're going to receive what God has for you, you have to be spiritually ready. You have to be spiritually. Ooh, this is good gospel preaching. You got to be strong. Tell your neighbor, get stronger. Because if you're not strong, what God gives you might sink your whole ship. The Bible tells us that we've got to be strong. What do we see about Peter? We see that Peter not only moved in obedience, but watch us He moved in faith. And if we're going to receive the harvest, we've got to understand we've got to move in faith. We've got to move in spiritual strength. It takes faith to believe again. It takes faith to try something a second time. There's some of you here this morning, you haven't been to church in a long time. It took a lot of faith for you to get here. But to come back on Wednesday is going to take even more faith. It takes faith to do something when you don't feel like doing it. Oh, I'm preaching. It takes faith to pray when you don't feel like praying. It takes faith to worship when you don't feel like worshiping. It takes faith to sit in a church service when you feel like everybody's watching you. But understand if your harvest is going to come in, you've got to move in a spirit of faith. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, faith. He said, We've been fishing all night. I've been I just untangled my nets. And these are not big old fat rope nets. These are little fine fishing nets. I just entangled all my nets. I just worked for two hours to entangle these nets. And you're asking me to cast out again and launch out. I just came in from the deep. Man, we were on that boat the other day. Being on water is tiring. You come back dehydrated. You got a nice little tan, but you're dehydrated. You're tired. They were tired. Jesus said, go out to the deep and do it again. That takes faith to do what God is asking you to do when you're too tired to do it. But what were the results? They received a record breaking harvest. What am I saying to you? This is your year where you're, if you're obedient and moved by faith, this is your year. But your harvest is going to come in. The time is now. The harvest is here. The harvest is heavy. We need obedience. We need strength and faith. But you know what we need, lastly, is we need partnership. Someone say, partnership. Look over at your neighbor. And say, partner with me. Come on, talk to them. Partner with me. Look at them. Come on, touch them. Touch their shoulders. Grab their arm. Partner with me. We could touch people. Partner with me. Partner with me. Partner with me. Come on. Tim, partner with me. Pastor Miller, partner with me. Junior, partner with me. Jose, partner with me. Let's work together. Artie, partner with me. Chris, partner with me. I I need you to partner with me. We need to partner with each other. Because if we're going to receive the harvest, It's heavy. And we can't bring it in by ourselves. The Bible says that when God started to bless them with those fish, their ship began to sink. And they needed to call who? Their partners to come in and help bring in the harvest. Listen, if we're going to do the things that God has called us to do, David and Anita, Charles and Miley. If we're going to do the things that God has called us to do, we have to partner. We have to gather our strength. We have to gather our resources. We have to gather our talents. We have to gather our abilities. We need every person in this place, young and old, small and great, big and skinny. Come on, somebody. We need everybody. I saw this on Facebook. I don't like to preach from Facebook, but this was too good. It said teamwork makes the dream work. I think that's gotta be our theme this year. Say teamwork Teamwork makes the dream work. That's powerful, what a slogan. Teamwork makes the dream work. That means we've gotta be a team. We've gotta work together. What does that mean? That means we gotta put down our petty differences. We gotta put down those little beefs that don't even matter. It's not even beef, it's baloney. And we got to put that baloney to the side. Can I hear an amen? And we've got to squash something because God has called us to work together. And when we begin, come on and help me preach this this morning. When we begin to work together, that's when God says, now I can send you my children. I can send you the harvest because you're working together to do what I have called you to do. Little petty arguments and petty competitions. Well, she looked at me. She wasn't even looking at you, man. She was looking at the person behind you, and you're all mad. What yo, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. No, I know. Trust me, I know. You know how many funky people I've had to work with in my life. You know how many leaders I've had in my life. I tell people all the time, I've been under the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some of you married people, you look at each other and say, let's, let's do like Al Green said. Not Al the preacher, Al Green, who's also a preacher. Say, Let's stay together, loving you, weather, ever. Time's up. Happiest. Oh, come on, somebody. You know what it is. Come on, Victory Outreach come on leaders come on people of god let's stay together let's work together oh come on and clap come on and praise him you can stand and clap just give him a big praise and we're going to work together we're going to bring in this harvest together Come on, we're going to pack out that men's home together. We're going to open up another men's home together. Buy a bigger house together. Come on, we're going to fill up a few of these little seats in the back at 830 together. Come on, let's work together. Let's work together. Last, last point. Be seated. I'm done. The harvest is here. The harvest is his. The harvest is heavy. But the harvest is here. How many know there's potential? How many know we got what it takes? How many know the people are out there? How many know all we got to do is just make a little move and it's going to happen? Jesus told his disciples, don't say four months and then the harvest. Don't say four months. Don't say, well, pastor, when, you know, when I stop fasting. Fasting. I will hit the streets. No, 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 hit the streets now. Well, when I, you know, lose a little weight, I'll start wearing a suit. No, bro, wear a suit until you lose weight. Talk to me now. Well, pastor, I'll start giving when I make more money. No, give now. Well, pastor, I'll get involved in ministry when my wife or my husband starts acting. Good luck with that. Oh, you ain't never gonna be in ministry. You're wait for your husband and wife to work, and get it all together. How many know we never have it all together? Someone we'll say the time is now. Say the harvest is here. Say the harvest is now. Now is the time. There's a fable in which tells of three apprentice devils who were coming to this earth to finish their apprenticeship, and they were talking to Satan, their master, the chief of the devils, about their plans to tempt and ruin men and women. The first said, I will tell them that there is no God. Satan said, that will not dilute many, for they know that there is a God. Second said, I will tell men and women that there is no hell. Satan answered, you will deceive no one that way. Men know even now that there is a hell for sin. The third apprentice demon said, I will tell them that there is no hurry. Go, Satan said. And you will ruin men by the thousands. We got to get out of this Christianity that says, there's no hurry. Get out of this Christianity that says, oh, it's okay to kick back right now. Wait till I get it all together. Listen, we can't waste another day. The time is short. People are dying and going to hell. But God's wanting to bring in the harvest. Somebody could say amen. And if you're one of those people that says, I'm going to rise up. Come on. I want you to stand here. If you're one of those people that says, I'm going to rise up, and you're going to be a part of this army, I want you to come to this altar right now.